Chapter 2. God has spoken his word. God is speaking. Are you listening? Quote, God calls man first. Man may forget his creator or hide far from his face. He may run after idols or accuse the deity of having abandoned him. Yet the living and true God tirelessly calls each person to that mysterious encounter known as prayer. In prayer, the faithful God's initiative of love always comes first. Our own first step is always a response. Catechism, paragraph 2567. God always makes the first move. When he speaks, we might hear him right away, but we also may resist, refuse, or even choose to ignore him. He never gives up on us. Hi, this is Alyssa Giles writing now. When I think of God's incredible patience, one of my favorite examples is the story of St. Augustine. God continuously called Augustine for 31 years before Augustine truly heard him. When he heard God speak in a personal way to him, everything changed. Augustine was born in North Africa in 354 AD. Though he was raised in a Christian home, he abandoned his faith at 17, began a 15-year affair, and had a son out of wedlock. By age 30, he had gained a reputation as a brilliant academic, and so he moved to Italy to teach. He went to Rome first and then to Milan. St. Ambrose, who was considered at the time to be one of the best speakers in the world, impressed Augustine with his arguments for Christianity, but he was not ready to let go of his pleasure-seeking way of life. He even prayed, grant me chastity, but not yet. Augustine kept seeking truth, and in his seeking and wrestling with the idea of surrendering his life to God, he withdrew to a garden where he heard a voice saying, tole lege, This translates to pick up and read. So he read the book of Romans where Paul exhorts them to abandon the work of the flesh and be clothed with Christ. The scripture says, Let us conduct ourselves properly as in the day, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in promiscuity and licentiousness, not in rivalry or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. Romans 13, 13-14 God was speaking to Augustine his whole life, through his family, through the preaching he heard, and through his conscience, but he wasn't open to hearing God yet. Eventually, by the grace of God, his hunger for truth overcame his love for earthly pleasure, and the voice of God broke through. Augustine was deeply convicted that the words he heard in the garden and the scripture he read was a personal message to him. When he read those words, he felt the darkness of doubt clearing the slavery of sin broken, and finally felt free to give himself entirely to the Lord. The Lord wants to use scripture to speak to us in the same way, not just for us to read a story, but to allow him to actually speak to our hearts and direct our lives. In this chapter, we'll be talking about how God speaks to us, specifically through the power of scripture. Before we jump in, I want to share some of my personal testimony with reading the Bible and hearing God. After I made an initial decision to start taking my faith more seriously and give my life more wholeheartedly to God, I started to pray and read the Bible every day. There were a few verses that completely changed my life and the way I viewed the world. Those were, He must increase and I must decrease from John 3.30. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus the Lord 
from Romans 8.39 I consider that the sufferings of the present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed to us from Romans 8.18 and the word of God is living and effective sharper than any two-edged sword from Hebrews 4.12 Just looking again at these scripture passages I can see the way they formed my mind in humility to know that I am God's creation in faith to know that God has power and protection over my life, in hope to look to the place God is preparing for me in heaven, and in confidence as I experience the power of Scripture in my life. As I read the Bible, I was swept up into the story of salvation, and I wanted to find my part in it. The Word of God drew me out of myself and my narrow 18-year-old worldview to glimpse the truth of how God sees me, His children, and the world. The power of God's word shifted my dreams for the future from being centered around me and my plans to an awakened desire to serve God and others. Discuss. Is there a passage from the Bible that has powerfully spoken to you in your life? If so, what was it? God's word is alive. Have you ever been reading a book or listening to the lyrics of a song and the words just hit different? You were pulled out of yourself and maybe even started thinking deep thoughts? The written word, any written word, has the ability to convict, to encourage, to provoke, to make us laugh, to inspire, or to discourage us. The written word can be powerful. But the word of God in scripture is more powerful than any other. How could the words in scripture be a personal message to you and to me like they were to St. Augustine? How do they have the power to speak to our deepest longing, to draw us out of ourselves into the presence of God, and in doing so, set our hearts on fire? How can written words do this for every individual that seeks to receive from them? Because scripture is alive. Indeed, the word of God is living and effective sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 Let's consider what this means. De Verbum, in English, on the Word of God, was one of the principal documents of Vatican II. There, the Council Fathers explained what gives Scripture its dynamism. God is the author. The books of both the Old and New Testament in their entirety are sacred and canonical because written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they have God as their author. That means it's the word of God, even though it was written in a specific time by specific people in a specific style. Quote, in composing the sacred books, God chose men and while employed by him, they made use of their powers and abilities so that with him acting in them and through them, they, as true authors, consigned to writing everything and only those things which he wanted. In other words, God did not magically will into existence a book that he would give to us as an instruction manual for following him. It shouldn't surprise us that God uses human means to accomplish his divine purposes. He sent his son to the world as a human baby at a specific time in history, who spoke in human tongues and lived a human life. God, in his humility, always comes to us in a way that we can receive him. It's the same in scripture. Scripture is alive because within the words, we find a living God who is speaking to us. God is alive and present in the words of the Bible. 
In his humility, he comes to us in these simple and human words so that we can find him there. Sometimes the church uses the term word of God in a broader sense, referring to all of the words, signs, actions that God has taken throughout salvation history to pursue his people and to bring them to himself. This word culminates in Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. God's word, his speaking to us, is first and foremost his self-revelation in the Son. From one source in God, revelation comes to us in two streams, which are sacred scripture and sacred tradition, as preserved and taught by the church's magisterium. Scripture and tradition testify to the Son. So what's our takeaway? That in giving us the Bible, God hasn't left us something to figure out on our own, but by his word, he wants to actively speak to us. He doesn't just choose a few far-off mystics, but he is accessible to us all. God loves us and wants to guide us daily by his word. God's word lives in us. In our day-to-day lives, God may not always feel accessible to us. Consider St. Augustine's story. He was surrounded by God and Christians for much of his life, but he wasn't listening. Brother Sam highlighted some of the reasons that we may not hear God, those inner doubts and fears that can close us off to his voice. Ultimately, listening comes down to a relationship with God in prayer. If you're like me, when you first started working on having a closer relationship with God, prayer might have been pretty easy. A better word might be natural or exciting. Maybe that's where you're at right now. You can sense that God is alive, that he's speaking to you, that there is so much for you to discover about him. Or maybe you haven't ever felt that way. Maybe you put forth effort but don't feel like you really know how to pray or what to expect. Maybe still you're somewhere in between. Take a few minutes and consider how you would respond to these questions. What is the purpose of prayer? How would I consider my experience of prayer? Now I want you to take a few minutes and consider some deeper questions. Do I believe that God wants to speak to me? Do I believe that God wants my good? Do I believe that God is trustworthy? Why or why not? These questions are crucial to consider as we strive to grow in relationship with God. If we don't believe that God wants to speak to us, that he wants our good, and that he's trustworthy, we won't be receptive to hearing him or receiving his love for us. By now we know there's a battle going on for our hearts and minds, so we can't expect change overnight. The devil's goal is to make us believe that God does not love us and does not have our good in mind. The devil wants us to believe that our Father isn't trustworthy. He tricked Adam and Eve into believing this, and the same lies can be deeply embedded in us. Our hearts begin to transform when we come to the Lord in prayer, humbly acknowledging Lord, I don't always believe that you're for me. I want to believe that you're good and that you have good things for me. I come to you anyway and I trust that you will still work in my life. Humility and faith, then, are important to keep in mind when we pray. Humility. If we come to him acknowledging that we don't have it all together, that we don't have all the answers, but that we desire to be molded by him, 
we will be more disposed to receive from him. And faith. Have you ever felt like you have to muster up all the right virtues in order to receive from God? The virtue of faith, by definition, actually frees us from the idea that we need to be perfect in order to receive from God. Quote, Once committed to conversion, the heart learns to pray in faith. Faith is a filial, relating to being a son or daughter, adherence to God beyond what we feel and understand. It is possible because the beloved Son gives us access to the Father. He can ask us to seek and to knock, since He Himself is the door and the way. Catechism, paragraph 2609. Discuss with your small group your experience of prayer currently and how you would answer those questions about God's love and goodness. Hearing God's Word Communally and Personally As our hearts are transformed in humility and faith, we hear God better when He speaks through the Scriptures. This happens communally as well as individually. One way God speaks to us collectively as a people is in the Mass. We see the prominent place Scripture has in the Mass. Those readings are not just meant for us personally, although they can bless us in this way. They are meant to build up the body of Christ. Outside of the liturgy, I can think of numerous examples of God speaking to families as they've been discerning the Lord's call for their lives, and it has led to career changes, moving across the country, being on mission in a new way, etc. I can also think of times where God has spoken very specifically in a prayer meeting, and it's shaped the theme or focus of the year. Discuss. Can you think of a time God has spoken to a group of people that has shaped the direction a family, or a community has gone. Since prophecy is so important to our way of life, I want to go deeper here. Whenever we gather for a prayer meeting, a Lord's Day celebration, or a conference, we expect to hear from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're used to it by now, but the first time people experience this, they often wonder, is this legit? Sacred scripture is the sure foundation for every prophetic word. But if we already have the Bible, why do we even need prophecies? because God's word itself says so. In the book of Acts, we see a vibrant prophetic culture in the early church. Every list of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, and there are quite a few, includes prophecy. Paul urges us, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. He sees prophecy as having exceptional power for edifying the body of Christ. Pursue love, he writes to the church in Corinth but strive eagerly for the spiritual gifts, above all that you may prophesy. Paul also emphasizes discernment, saying, Test everything and retain what is good, from 1 Thessalonians 5.21. This brings us back to the Bible. Sometimes a brother or sister who speaks a word at a prayer meeting shares his or her own inspiration. It may accompany a passage from Scripture or stand alone. Either way, it's our shared grasp of God's word that helps us recognize the truth in prophetic words. Further, those leaders who help discern the prophecies before they're shared with the group understand in a particular way that no private inspiration can contradict public revelation. That's why pastoral authority is such a valuable protection as we seek and listen for God's word together. And personally, When we come to our prayer time, including our reading of scripture, with a heart disposed to receiving, a heart that has humility and faith, everything changes. 
The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, Prayer is the life of the new heart. It ought to animate us at every moment, but we tend to forget him who is our life and our all. This is why the fathers of the spiritual life in the Deuteronomic and prophetic traditions insist that prayer is a remembrance of God, often awakened by the memory of the heart. We must remember God more often than we draw breath. But we cannot pray at all times if we do not pray at specific times, consciously willing it. These are special times of Christian prayer, both in intensity and duration. Paragraph 2697 Having regular personal prayer gives us an opportunity to grow in the practice of listening to and hearing God, both in the quiet of our hearts, but also in our reading of scripture. As the quote above emphasizes, remembrance is key to prayer and to relationship with God. When we remember all that God has done for his people throughout salvation history, we will have a greater understanding of God's faithfulness. Likewise, when we remember what God has done in our own lives, we will be able to live our lives with more gratitude and trust in him. A great practice to employ in your prayer time is to write down in a journal the ways that God is leading you or speaking to you so that you can reflect back with grateful remembrance. Discuss. Is praying with scripture a part of your daily prayer life? If so, how do you like to incorporate it? An approach to reading scripture. I'll close this chapter with a helpful tool for reading scripture. It isn't the only way to pray, but it's really effective for diving deep into the word of God. Lexio Divina, or divine reading, is a simple approach to prayer that capitalizes on the power of scripture to speak directly into our lives. Lexio Divina was formalized in the 12th century by a monk named St. Gigo. He saw the steps of this practice as a ladder lifting us from earth into heaven. Pope Benedict said, I would like, in particular, to recall and recommend the ancient tradition of Lexio Divina. If it is effectively promoted, this practice will bring to the church, I am convinced of it, a new spiritual springtime. As with any form of personal prayer, it will bear the most fruit if you have chosen a specific place that is free from distractions at the time you are most likely to be attentive. For many people, this is the morning. There are four steps of Lexio Divina. Lexio, the reading, a slow, prayerful, deliberate reading of the text. Meditatio, meditation, pondering or chewing on the text. Oratio, vocal prayer, praying with the text and having a conversation with God about it. And contemplatio, contemplating, the act of being in the presence of God. Read, Lexio. A slow, prayerful, deliberate reading of the text. When we read scripture, we are searching for the living God amongst the words. Our minds thirst for goodness and truth. The very first psalm says, The law of the Lord is his joy, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted near streams of water that yields its fruits in season, its leaves never wither, whatever he does prospers. God has given us the ability to explore and understand his word. We can do this in prayer as we ponder God's word to us in scripture. Throughout the rest of the text, I'll be including opportunity to practice Lexio Divina with a scripture verse. You may want to pause the recording when those come up 
or you may want to wait until the chapter is done. We will use the story of the healing of the paralytic in Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 in this exercise. Read the text slowly two or three times. If you're doing this in your group, you can have someone read it out loud. There will be questions throughout the exercise. Write down anything that strikes you and discuss your reflections with your group. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door, and he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him. After they had broken through, they let down the mat on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves. So he said, Why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, pick up your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your mat, and go home. He rose, picked up his mat at once, and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Questions to consider as you read. What strikes you? In the mind, what are you curious about? What makes you wonder? What gives deeper understanding or insight? In the heart, what brings a change in emotion? More peace, joy, anticipation. The will, what stirs your desire for God or godly things? What encourages, convicts? Meditate or meditatio. Pondering or chewing on the text. Meditation is pretty popular these days. Influencers, authors, self-help gurus, even friends and family are promoting various meditation practices like mindfulness, for example. There is a difference, though, between what Christians and popular culture mean by meditation. The latter is often characterized by clearing or emptying the mind, but empty is not what we're striving for as Christians. Just as our stomachs are not happy when they're empty, neither are our minds. Christian meditation directs us to Christ and therefore should engage our minds, our imaginations, our emotions, and desires. How do we meditate? St. Ignatius is known for encouraging the use of imagination in prayer. In his spiritual exercises, for example, he directs the person meditating on the Lord's nativity to mentally compose the setting. Observe the place or cave where Christ is born, whether big or little whether high or low, and how it's arranged. Christian meditation allows you to put yourself into the narrative of the Bible and engages your senses using your imagination. 
What are you seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, tasting? We can also engage beyond our tangible six senses. We can also sense things interiorly. I could feel the sadness in Jesus. I could experience the anticipation in the crowd as Jesus approached. I could see what he meant, etc. Go back to the healing of the paralytic again. Use your senses and imagination to put yourself in the story. What are you sensing? What thoughts and emotions are being stirred? Vocal prayer. Pray with the text. Have a conversation with God about it. St. Teresa of Avila called prayer the friendly conversation with one who we know loves us. Through prayer, we respond to what God has been doing. We move from thinking about him to communicating with him. Oh man, how easy it is to think about him, to talk about him, to be on mission for him. But how challenging it can be sometimes to actually sit down in prayer and communicate with him. Just like meditation, this oratio or praying and communicating with God takes practice. The more we pray, the more dynamic our prayer becomes. Consider the depth of conversation we experience with a close friend. It takes time to cultivate, but it's worth it. In order to cultivate depth of two-way conversation in prayer with God, we need to give God space to speak by, get this, being silent. For me, this looks like reminding myself every 30 seconds to reel my mind back in and listen when my mind inevitably wanders. It's okay if it's messy. It's a process and it takes practice. Sometimes it's helpful to identify what we're listening for. Are we expecting that God is going to speak in a booming voice and tell us what his 10-year plan for our life is every time we come to prayer? If that's what we're listening for, we will be sorely disappointed. But if we come with faith and an open heart, I don't think we'll be disappointed by what he's saying. After a careful reading of scripture and meditating upon the text, God may be wanting to communicate a certain insight or understanding. He may want to communicate encouragement. He may want to convict us of a certain action he wants us to take. He may be wanting to give us gifts of joy or peace. Continuing our exercise, maybe there's something that stands out to you as you read and meditate on the text. Bring that to God in prayer. Ask him about it. Converse with him. This will feel more natural with more practice. Receive. Contemplatio, the act of being in the presence of God. When was the last time you felt contentment? When you just sat and savored whatever was happening around you? Maybe you were on a beach next to the ocean, listening to a great song, going for a long run, eating an amazing meal with friends, or sitting around a bonfire with family. When I think of being content, I think of being full of something good. Contentment comes when a desire of ours is satisfied. The deeper the desire, the deeper the contentment. In contemplation, prayer moves from thinking about God to resting in Him. This is the deepest desire of all. Father Jacques Philippe, a popular writer in Catholic spirituality, explains, The essential act of prayer, after all, is to put oneself in God's presence and stay there. His presence being the presence of the living God, is active, life-giving, healing, and sanctifying. 
One can't stand in front of a fire without being warmed or stay in the sun without being tanned. And in remaining in God's presence and letting him act in the depths of our being, we are doing what really counts. Again, continuing our exercise, try to sit with the Lord in silence. You may lead to give thanks or to be inclined to resolve some sort of change or action. This method of praying with scripture and listening to God is not supposed to be rigid. You can follow the Holy Spirit's lead. It doesn't need to be a one, two, three, four step process. One final note is that it's a good practice to leave your time of prayer with a resolution. This could even be small. I want to have a grateful attitude today. I want to forgive my roommate. I want to turn to God in prayer throughout the day. St. Augustine said, For such is the depth of the Christian scriptures that even if I were attempting to study them and nothing else from boyhood to decrepit old age with the utmost leisure and the most unwearied zeal and with talents greater than I possess, I would still be making progress in discovering their treasures. These words written by St. Augustine many years after his conversion reflect his lifelong experience of hearing God by reading and meditating on sacred scripture. Once he discovered the treasure of the word, he never grew weary of going deeper. It's true, the more we dig into God's word through meditation and contemplation, the more we'll experience deep transformation. Our Lord has great plans for us. In the chapters that follow, we'll invite him to speak into our lives and transform our hearts, our minds, in our wills, and the power of his word. Lord, like St. Augustine, make us ready to respond whenever and wherever we hear you call.